I'm Tom Saunders, getting through this in the Pacific Palisades of Los Angeles. And I'm Scott Blakeman in Manhattan. Although I've had my driver's license since I was 17, I've really only logged about, oh, two or 300 miles of driving in the ensuing 48 years. Once, when I had to renew my license, I was asked how many miles I had driven the past year. I thought if I provided the correct answer of zero, my license would be taken away. So... <laughs> I wrote 10. <laughs> now, while I don't love driving, I've had a love affair with the design of cars since elementary school when I would search old National Geographic magazines for car ads. And I remember the excitement and anticipation of those new car ads every fall. But most of all, I remember my dad's Cadillacs. By the time he purchased his caddies in the late 60s and early 70s, those fins were gone. But the car was still gigantic. The 1971 white sedan with red upholstery was almost 19 feet long and cost about $6,000. And I loved the car, but I was a little self-conscious, so I would ask my dad to drop me off a block away from school. And the few times I actually rode the car, I felt like I was the captain of a giant boat on land, which is why my Jewish friends referred to the car as a Jew canoe. Now, looking at a Zodiac blue Coupe de Ville with medium aqua upholstery yesterday online, well, Tommy, it, it filled me with such wonder and awe, it almost made me want to drive for the first time in years. Or at least Papa Cassette in the stereo and lounge contentedly in the back seat. Oh, wow. Scotty, I shake my head in awe. And then I continue to shake my head because it feels good <laughs> to make thoughts bounce around inside my mind. Thoughts, Scotty, inspired by your words of wonder growing up in a world of driving comfort and luxury and so much more. Because, Scotty, you grew up in a Cadillac. <laughs> My earliest childhood was in the 1950s when Cadillac was, well, it was the king of cars. Right up until I learned about Rolls Royces and Bentleys, but that wouldn't be until 1960, just as the Cadillacs had its biggest fins, as we now know. But well into the 1960s, and yes, into the 70s, too, we may have pretended to be snobs about cars, but still, and cars that we still to this day cannot afford. But we lived in a world of awe for the great American status symbol and comfort dream parlor of the future on wheels called a Cadillac. Well, up until the late 70s, Cadillac was, as a print ad described it, the world's best synonym for quality. Now, the Lincoln Continental was a little more expensive, but Cadillac was, well, the Cadillac of cars because everything great in those days was called the Cadillac of something. I remember when I was thinking about buying a $10 stapler in high school, the salesman referred to the stapler as the Cadillac of staplers. <laughs> Scotty, the Cadillac was the standard back in the 1950s. We didn't even know caddies were American cars. In the 1950s, in America, all cars were American. We didn't even know that you had to, we did know this, you had to be at least somewhat affluent to own a Cadillac. Not necessarily Scrooge McDuck rich, because he obviously was driven around in a limousine with a chauffeur, which was some kind of an animal, but still a chauffeur. But two kids in a family of four on a back seat as wide as the lanes of those streets would allow in the Brooklyn of York. Scotty, 
it thrills me to envision a life of such comfort and deluxitude. Let's <laughs> remind the people who know what I'm talking about and inform the rest that Cadillac set the standard that was later derided by masochistic car snobs as squishy suspension, but which in fact could make potholes and speed bumps disappear. And I wonder even if you knew what such road imperfections were. And the real world, Scotty, after you've lived in a Cadillac, the real world must seem cold and, let's be honest, bumpy. I actually honestly hope not, but how could it not, Scotty? Well, the roomy and smooth driving Cadillac was the symbol of my childhood. And I can vividly remember sitting in the couch-like back seat with my sister as we glided along the Brooklyn Queens Expressway to Manhattan, or as we called it, the city. And I just remember feeling safe and protected as we drove by a Red Hook, then a notoriously, quote, bad neighborhood. Wow. Now, today, one filled with multi-million dollar lodgings. Here <laughs> in Manhattan, I always spotted the hand-drawn sign in the brick wall for Ponte's Restaurant on Desbras Street in Lower Manhattan, which at that time was largely desolate at night before the World Trade Center and Battery Park City were built. So between my slightly overprotective parents and this elegant and spacious driving machine, I truly felt safe and secure. Scotty, in our family, we could only dream of such comfort. But alas, my father drove us around in a special version of a checker cab sold <laughs> to families. And ours were the only one in the Libertyville or possibly in America. Uh, it looked like cabs looked in those days. In other words, like a car that had been designed 10 years earlier, but instead of being yellow or checkered, it was white. And it had legroom in the back and two little jump seats that folded out. So with both jump seats in use, the car still was not big enough for nine people. So I can only dream of a life where you have all that room, two people, Scotty, two small children on the enormous sofa or couch, as we often called it in the, uh, in the Midwest, the, an enormous couch in, your, in the back of this dream car. Scotty, that, I, I, I go back to my, my uh, question. Did, after you've gotten out of the Cadillac, did the world seem, well, like a scarier, bumpier, more uncomfortable place? Well, you know, because my family, who I wouldn't consider affluent and maybe, maybe upper middle class, but that was really my dad's one extravagance because they really didn't travel a lot. We didn't go to fancy restaurants. We ate out a lot, but it was always the same uh, inexpensive restaurants. And, um, uh, but, and, and of course, in those days, as we talked about in an earlier podcast, when you, a difference between a first class flight to New York to LA and a coach seat was $15, even the difference between a Cadillac and a Chevrolet, maybe it was $2,000, of course, in those days, dot, dot, dot. Yes, yeah. Uh, but it was, a, no, I did feel safe. It did feel that uh, the, the giant car, you did feel protected. The, and locking the, the, oh, the electric door locker. Oh, my God. The new innovation. <laughs> and uh, because in those days, it was starting to get a little, you know, the city, I, I guess, yeah. or maybe as you get older, not, not that, uh, you know, across the board, but there was some sense of, you know, insecurity. So you, it really felt you were locked in, you were snug, you were safe and you glided along. And, yeah. so, uh, and yeah. so through Red Hook and, and, and parts of the, or, or, or whatever these parts of the, of the city that uh, you spoke of which you spoke that uh, 
in the Brooklyn of yore, uh, but you were safe. And that's the amazing thing is that you can, cars enable people to take their luxury with them anywhere. So you could travel. <laughs> I mean, when you think about it, Scotty, travel in, in, in the, the height of, of comfort and, and deluxitude. And I, I, I believe that's a new word that, that has been coined just for this podcast. Well, it should have been used in the car ads of the 50s and 60s. Yes, a prime example of deluxitude. <laughs> now with the exclusive deluxitude feature, <laughs> you know, because it always had to be some scientific yeah, thing. That's you know? right. Yeah. With a deluxitudinous uh, uh, control system. Yeah. But, uh, and, and yeah, I mean, you can go on and on, obviously, with... Um, you know, and 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 all, all the way the wonderful ways you can do, uh, describe this. Um, I mean, talk about that must have been the plummiest ad uh, job uh, in America is the guy, the guys who got to do the Cadillac ads. Oh yeah, and actually, I looked at a few, and they kept that tradition that we always speak of the long ads that were primarily more prevalent in the '40s and '50s. But I saw it well into the late '60s and even early '70s. There were, as we called it in the business, double truck ads. It meant a, you know, a two-paged uh, ad and uh, very, very long, lots of copy. Because, look, it was a big investment. So yep. You had to read about it to have it explained. Yeah. Well, let's see what this ad says about this car. Uh, you know, uh, and, um, yeah. and, and, and people kind of believed the ads in those days. I mean, well, yeah, that's, that's true. Yes. Uh, and, and especially Cadillac ads because they had developed this great reputation. I do remember the big double truck the big two-page ads with a full car that that would sort of bend inwards, where the ca- see that was always the problem with magazines and and two-page spa- you know two-page uh, spreads. The car mm. once it got to the where the uh, the magazine was stapled together, yeah. folded in, so um, it, it, the, the uh, viewer had to imagine the car really wasn't just sort of curved in on itself. Half- <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm looking now at a 1971. Not only these ads so were great then, but if you go on eBay, yeah, you can they're for sale. There's one a 1971 Cadillac Coupe de Ville ad, good condition for seven dollars. It's, it's an ad. It's just, ad. They ripped it out of a magazine, but but it's and it, I'm looking at the ad now. It's there's diagrams of how the car is made. Long, long, copious amounts of copy. Remember, Tommy, there was also the Fleetwood Braun, which was yeah. used as a limousine. Oh my goodness! And then, and then the, the El Dorado that came later, and that was like another level because there were different. I think the year my dad got the, I think it was the Cadillac Calais, nineteen seventy-one, and they had re- revised it a little bit, you know, not drastically, but so it was a little maybe smaller, and uh, maybe the Coupe de Ville was nineteen feet, maybe the Calais was a little shorter, but still gigantic, and it. I just remember it because one of the few times to this day that I've driven on a highway, the Belt Parkway from Brooklyn to Long Island to go to the Oak Beach Inn, a bar when I was in high school with my friends, Bobby and Mitch. I actually drove on the Belt Parkway. To this day, I've hardly ever, we've talked about uh, being on the freeway in L.A., I've hardly done it. But with that car, uh, the white caddy with the red. Wait, wait, so are you saying you drove it? I did literally. Oh, my God. You drove the car. Now, yeah. an amazing breakthrough because as our loyal listeners know you're and as you explained right up at the top of this piece uh, that you had to write in you had to lie about having <laughs> driven 10 miles yes. uh, 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 on a form and by the way can i just say uh i, I would have worried if i had done that uh that they would have plainclothes cops checking it out 
and just <laughs> asking around town, did he really drive 10 miles? Well, I was afraid that 10 is almost worse than zero. Because zero, you could say, yeah, I took off driving for a year. But then a man yeah. who only drives 10 miles, what, yeah. what happened there? So, what happened? What did you run yeah. over? Who did Why'd you run stop? over? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. No, no. It was, uh, but, but you're saying that, that no, no repercussions. There was no pounding on the door late at night. Uh, open up, open up. We found out, uh, sir, you're under arrest you, for falsifying a uh, driver's license form. <laughs> And no, thankfully, that never uh, happened. That nightmare that, never, never. That happened. never happened. And uh, but you know what did happen? Time. This yep. is something. Uh, it's funny. We talked about it. And now it's coming to life. Concept cars. Uh, uh, we were. I think we were saying this before the show. Yes, because it blends together sometimes. One of the great things of modern day cars, and I've gone. I went to the car show a lot with my dad at mm -hmm. the Javits Center, and the best cars were always the concept car, which cars that were incredible that they never made as a production vehicles. But we always say, why don't they make those concept cars? Because yep. those were the wow cars of right. a later day. But I'm looking at an ad now, 1964 Cadillac Cyclone experimental coupe car. And it's it was never made. It looks like a rocket. And they have an AC spark plug flying over it. <laughs> I've never seen an AC spark plug look so uh, dramatic and yep. exciting yep. And this ad is for sale too so tommy it was the future it was hope it was space age yep. certainly it's, and this car looked like a, a rocket a space well, age it's uh, the cadillac itself the actual original cadillac was made to look like a jet plane right the, the, what, yeah. with the big high fins and so now yeah i mean uh the the, the concept cars were so um yeah, I remember one that was, um, gosh, where was it? It was this concept car that had no um, steering wheel. <laughs> it had just this, this kind of um, uh, uh, kind of like a lever, and you pull it, pushed it forward, and the car was driven by radio waves or something like that. Um, I think it wound up at the Museum of Science and Industry, and they had a movie about this car of the future where you would just you wouldn't have to steer. You could just once you got on this super radio controlled highway, you just sit back, put it on auto drive. And Scotty, re <laughs> I'll never forget this. <laughs> Let's say you're thirsty, Scotty. Yeah. You don't want to have to draw to stop. No. When you're in <laughs> a, 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 such a deluxe concept car, you want to stay in the car and keep going forward. Well, in this particular car. It, uh, you would, there was a little juice delivery system that <laughs> it was like a little door in open up and there's a little cup and you press a button and the juice comes out. <laughs> so it's sort of, I think it's located in, in the dashboard, a, a complete wow. juice, juicery, really. So you wouldn't have to look down in a way. No, you don't even have to look down, <laughs> but imagine that, Scotty. Now, some people say, well, why not just bring a thermos uh, filled, with, filled with juice and save yourself. No, no, no. This was the, the, the what could be more delightful than having it, your juice poured for you by your car. Into oh, exactly. Yeah. Well, that was what, what it was all about. And, and that was a concept. And that and, and, yeah. and it never Scotty, I'm still waiting for that car to be made in mass. I uh, quantities. Well, I'm looking at the Cyclone by Cadillac, 1964, and it would be amazing today. It's sleek like a caddy, but it looks like, you know, it's got a little bubble for the two seat that looks like a, a spacecraft, but it's uh, truly incredible. And I would say... Oh, wait, wait, so it's bubble, you mean like the bubble is the... the it, it looks the, sort of like that bubble for a... Uh, is a complete uh, bubble, right? Uh, it's hard to tell from illustration, but it's like basically 
the only part of it enclosed over the two people so it has that uh, bubble look and uh, and it's, uh, it's, it's very, it, probably some jet age plastic or something oh like i'm that. sure yeah but i mean uh, ac spark plugs didn't add just for the experimental car that it was chosen for the experimental car so why not use it for your own car uh, and uh, but Tommy, and, one thing that I recommend is why don't they bring back that 1971 Coupe de Ville in Zodiac blue and the medium aqua upholstery and make it an electric car? Oh my gosh, Scotty, what a brilliant idea! And uh, I would be careful because I think the Cadillac company, they're I, I believe that they have a you know, they change. I, I'm guessing this is speculative business reporting, but I just think they might need someone like you to kind of tell them what to do. I mean, I'm just going to say it flat out. And I'm not saying that you, you know, I know that you've never, you have never said, you know, one day I'm going to be the general manager of the Cadillac company, but how do they, how do you, how do you stop from being, I mean, thank God they can't draft you to become a, (laughs) but, but what do you do when they start, you know, driving up with Cadillacs filled with money and say, please, please run our, uh, run our show because, we need that kind of vision. That you well, Tommy, you, stumped, you, you came up with something. Maybe that's been the mistake that you know, we, we talked about. Well, what happened? Where did it all go wrong? Yeah. The American mastery and dominance of the automobile, the motor car. Uh, and there's many answers to that. And GM used to have separate divisions for each car. And I remember doing for Pontiac once in the, shortly before its demise. And I did one of the few trade shows where actually for uh, car dealers, Pontiac dealers around the country and it was a show and it was you had like the various um leaders of Pontiac speaking but it was something like building blocks building America and I played my character was like John the builder and I had tools <laughs> and it was so out of character for me and I had this I had tool build. belt and building and I even sang a song Big Bad John which set to the <laughs> lyrics about the VP of something for Pontiac and it was amazing. And, and, and the last show was in Detroit uh-huh. and it was for the actual staff of Pontiac and the workers. And I went around and I asked them questions, you know, where do you eat for lunch? And I remember I worked that all in. And then so it was actually you did a OK, well, yeah. there's a lot to unpack here, Scotty. Yes. Um, first of all, so so I think a lot of our listeners are going to be wondering, how, how did you get this gig in the first place? And- well, yeah, they wanted a, a comedian. And this, this is a big market, obviously, corporate shows, and I had never done one. And they wanted someone to sort of host it, but as this character of Bob the Builder or whatever it was, and it was Pontiac Building America. And I think the theme was we built this city. You know, they kept playing that. And, you know, that was the theme. And basically... That was in the 19... That was in... This is probably... Uh, well, I remember it was in the beginning days of the computer, because I remember talking to the guy who hired me he said, every day I get up and I check my email and it felt like I didn't have a computer. And what was, so it was very early on, maybe. So it must have been in the early 90s. And um, well, you might have thought, wow, that guy has a weird speech defect. When he says mail, he says email. <laughs> you yeah. don't even know what an email is. You'd think no, it was, it was so exciting. Like he wakes up and checks. His so anyway, it was uh, I mean, it was the early days of that. But mm-hmm. it was fun doing that and yeah. in different cities and. Uh, and and the, the general manager Pontiac, this, that I mean, think of it, everyone was in awe of him. And I, he was a very nice man, and but I just, you know, I didn't feel that invested in the whole thing. I just wanted to do a good job, and so I was more casual. But he referred to me as my character when he would see me. Um, but it was a glorious time, and, and so he would you know, call you, "Hey, Build, Builder Bob." I think he would, I, and I would just 
smile, you know. And it's but it was Tommy. But again, getting back, and I bring it up only because uh, maybe I could. Maybe it's not so fanciful that I should run Cadillac because, well, yeah. a I love the car. Yeah, I mean, isn't that the most important thing? I have a history with the car. Oh my god! Uh, my dad drove the car, and maybe that's the, what we need: outsiders running these cars. <laughs> yes. Thank you. That's what I'm saying. I mean, obviously, these insiders have absolutely driven the car into the the history's ditch. Now, the you pun intended. You mentioned, yeah, absolutely, and you mentioned that the uh, that it, back in the day there was a, there was Chevrolet, Oldsmobile, Buick. Yeah. Uh, what was what's what else? Pontiac, I guess. Oh yeah, Pontiac Chevrolet Oldsmobile. I don't even remember. Each one was supposed to be slightly more expensive than the last, and you were supposed to. To, as you move up the corporate ladder in your own life, you keep buying General Motors cars and you move up to finally Cadillac. But before that, yeah. the Buick was considered yeah. the doctor's car. That was the second. Oh, well, my dad. Uh, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that, Tommy, because right before the Cadillac, my dad had a, an Electra, Buick Electra 225. And I just love that name. It's, it's exciting. Buick. And yeah. that was its Buick version of Finns, but gigantic. There's some old pictures. Uh, you know, I was growing up and, and it, just a gigantic car. Yeah. Uh, and, and that was, was like, but that was the doctor's car. You, you, uh, yeah. Uh, it was supposedly. And, and of course, we were not part of that whole system at all. <laughs> and um, we, and, but we sort of envied people who were, who were, they feel they, they were kind of part of the American story as it seemed to be in those days. The people who bought GM cars, even people who bought Fords, like sometimes we did, seemed a little weird. But, <laughs> but uh, GM just dominated absolutely dominated the car market and then and they had this great car the cadillac but also interesting uh to uh, recall that in those days um in the early in the 70s 60s 50s uh, the different um car, uh, executives for the different cars buick and oldsmobile would go to different country clubs. They would be members of like co country clubs that were heavily Buicky country clubs, <laughs> sure. heavily, and they would or, or Oldsmobile. And by the way, interesting that there was ever a car named an Oldsmobile. Oh, yeah, I, you would think for sure they would have said, "No, nobody wants old." Yeah, new, you know, and yeah. and. Uh, and but then those days, no, it's probably named after some guy named Olds, right? And and uh, I assume, well, I suppose we can check that out. But but yeah, the the, the and then they, all, I felt sad when these brands uh, went under. I I've, uh, even though yeah. I never owned an Oldsmobile, I felt sad that they they couldn't well, uh, make them anymore. And, well, and also, then they became happy again five minutes later, though. So. <laughs> well, you bounce back. I bounce before, but, no, but people uh, just as they, you know, I'm a Democrat, Republican, but people, I'm an old guy. I'm a Pontiac guy, a whole family. You no, know, we buy, we bought Fords or, you know, people really were very uh, connected to that company. And it, it really was a grand time. And I don't know quite, obviously people's tastes change. Um, but as you said, America owned the car industry and Europe, if you went to Europe in the, in the sixties, it looked totally different. They had these tiny, cars racing around and cutting people off and every French film it was these little cars in the uh, or what would they call it the Fiat and which I do love right now but, I remember there was this car but there were all these brands that no longer exist too and yeah back in the day and it, it absolutely is true Europe and we were talking about this prior to the pod Europe I lived in Europe for over a year when I uh, and got 
acclimated to these smaller cars. This is back in the 1970s. Coming back to New York, comically long. American cars seem stretched out like a cartoon of, of uh, making fun of American cars. They were so long and sleek and big and, and, and wide. And they didn't know that it was going to be the European styling that would dominate, that would wind up European and Japanese styling. Because we, we didn't smaller. have an internet. People weren't flying to Europe a lot. So they could have just gone there and seen it, but they didn't. So they didn't know they were in America and there was a lot to do here. And no one knew what was going on. Yeah. It wasn't like, hey, you know, Europe's got those little cars. What? No, no one said that. And no, no, no. We didn't, and we didn't yeah. think about American cars. We just thought of thought that they were cars. Yeah, and anything else was sort of a, wow. a, a less, you know, an inferior version. And uh, but you know, by 1964, Cadillac. I think I saw an ad, which is still a grand ad with the four different versions, and it says how to fit a Cadillac into any budget because there were four different Cadillacs. But they said it, they all have hydromatic drive. There you go. It always yeah. has to be yeah. a space age hydromatic power steering. Tommy, I must tell you the truth. Mm. Even to this day, I think cruise control is a wildly space age uh, feature. <laughs> I mean, is, I don't go. I'm amazed by yeah, it. It is amazing. It's absolutely. Yeah. Uh, it's it, in a way that's the first. It was like the very first shoot. Like they talk about shoots shooting up, you know, uh, in the spring yeah. of. It was uh, of the robotic uh, self-driving car. If you think, if you think about that, yeah. Because you're right. Cruise control is, it's it's utterly wondrous. You can just, at a certain point, oh, you're on the open road. You just turn a something and move a little something else, and then the car just continues along without whether your foot is on the accelerator or not. Yeah, and I, I mean, guess that's just it's, that is you're that right. incredible. That is, and I think my dad had it i think maybe he didn't even use it a lot because maybe like me he thought i don't know this thing can't really work so i don't i don't notice how many times he used it but now i guess in today is there a thing these days where you could actually take your hand off the steering wheel or that's not there are limited versions of that sort of thing where where the car will kind of steer you in slower traffic or something i'm not sure if yeah still really or it'll park the car that's an amazing thing that cars have now it will park it yourself or automatically uh, you press, you know, a remote and the car starts up and uh, all these things I don't think are necessary. But, no, no, um, no, no. But, but the self-parking car is actually a real breakthrough because yeah. the, the uh, uh, I'm going to reveal something that I, I don't think I've ever told anybody, Scotty. Wow. Uh, when I was in New York um, in the 1970s, uh, I took a... Um, I took. I, I needed to get my license, my New York State license, car license, and I had to take um, driving. You know, I had to, t- you know, behind the wheel test. Yeah. Uh, down, and it was the downtown one or something like that. Or I can't remember. There was one that that's like, oh, if you take it downtown, it's really hard, and if you take it up in Bronx, it's easier or something. I remember <laughs> that. And and but I took it the harder place, and uh, I got. Um, and part of the test is parallel parking. Mm. Right. We'll pull up against side parallel. And I remember parallel parking, but I got nervous, Scotty. I failed the first test. Oh, I failed it, Scotty. They said no. And I had already driven a car in Illinois. Not a lot, but I. Well, well they say if you can make it in Illinois, you can't necessarily make it in New York. <laughs> <laughs> a little twist. That but now, Tommy, really here's a, an ironic twist really here. Pretty- you have gone on to drive. <laughs> 
thousands and thousands of miles across the country, and I am still hovering around 2250, and yet I passed my road test the first time. Oh, my God. I could have been a professional race car driver, quite literally. And I, I remember very distinctly that during that period, well, I did it in Brooklyn, and there was no traffic, and it was right. maybe the parking was easier. But I do remember they tried an innovation. At that point, the uh, test guy gave you your told you if you passed or not right after you were finished it used to be at that point you'd have to be notified later so i remember he told me you passed and i remember thinking well i shouldn't say thank you because he didn't do i was the one who passed so i didn't say anything and i to this day i thought should i have said thank you but it wasn't really a thank I, mean, you. I wonder if you'll ever stop wondering that like to this day <laughs> you've wondered that do you think after this day you'll go on and move on Maybe uh, not really, you? not really, because oh, unless I, you know, I bump into him somewhere <laughs> and, and that's that's one of my reasons I want to achieve <laughs> fame, not because I want to, you know, but I would love everyone who had had that situation with could step forward and go, hi, Scott, I'm the driver's ed guy, uh, the road test guy who you didn't say thank you to. Let's just a quick note to say that was perfectly fine, young man. You deserved it. You passed the test. No need to say thank you. Think of the closure, Tommy. Yeah. Think if, if we all could do that. I could walk. Yeah. Then I would walk away from that and never think of it again. <laughs> but but it, but it, uh, it never happened. And uh, yes. what does that tell us? I mean, maybe maybe, um, you know, and, and again, you don't want to say, well, you don't want to put it on the the. Um, the guy who gave you the test at the at the uh, whatever it is the the um, what do they call it in New York the the um, I guess just the road test yeah no, but they pass. call it like that the, the uh, um, well driver's ed is what you take and, yeah. and you know, the DMV is DMV the, that's what I yeah mean. like the DMV yeah. the Department of Motor Vehicles yeah Scotty yeah uh, but they did pass it but yeah I mean I would come that forward. they would that yeah. they would kind of go out of their way and say no no need to thank you but. But they they don't you know they I guess if you know they they have their you know they have a, a certain number of people that they have to give drivers tests to and I'm sure it nagged at his conscience that you didn't say thank you but then you would worry about it years later and yeah never, he think, never he never called you Scotty I mean he never made any effort like well you, you know I guess he he couldn't know for sure that's the thing but and I'm still hopeful that we will meet. <laughs> someday or get a note to me somehow and and uh, I mean, because that surprises me it's just you know like yeah you're yeah impressed. i think i just said okay well, <laughs> all right you know and like you didn't say thank you and i'm sure you probably wondered if you're supposed to say thank you and yeah no, i mean that would have been a nice a nice gesture but now that i think of it it's it's uh no, he's, these guys are very busy. They can't just yeah. He was on to the next neurotic pass. people. Who, and yeah. anyway, you passed. So from his perspective, he probably thought, well, you you you'll, you that'll be the end of this, and now you'll go on driving. You'll forget this whole thing. But I'll that be didn't a, happen okay. clearly. Yeah. Uh, no, no. But I'm. But even talking about it makes me feel better. And just talking about yeah. cars and these giant cars of of your yeah is, is what our show is all about a sense of wonder and wow and cars today i was just walking along my usual walk earlier mm -hmm. and yes there's a nice car oh the subaru is kind of cute oh i like the honda fit but nothing you don't stop you know my little wow and these and that's why they have these sh i remember I, bob is big boy in uh studio city or in uh, uh somewhere maybe in the, you know in the valley um every friday night or something these the guys come out and they fill the parking lot 
with these incredible really? cars. And some of them are the giant Cadillacs, and uh, uh, and that goes on everywhere. These in this very city, and I didn't even know about it. Yeah, I, someone told me about it the last time I was uh, uh, in town, and uh, uh, but there's many things like that. And and if you go online, you could buy these Cadillacs, and many of them run well. And I would like to drive one of these one time. Well, Tommy. that's really amazing like to me. I mean, I know we're gonna uh, uh, we're winding down right now, but I, but uh, just to get back to that one part of your story, uh, yeah, uh, the, the the time that you took over the wheel and your friend Mitch and someone else and well, it was about that. it was really. But, but did you find? Here's the other thing about about Cadillac steering. Just like its yeah. suspension's very squishy and it. And that you you really you know it really does absorb all everything that you could possibly yeah. uh, um, drive over. But the steering was so power steering that you could just like spin the wheel uh, almost to to uh, turn. Uh, well, I was gripping the wheel until my <laughs> knuckles were white, so I didn't really pick up the spin feature as well as others. And uh, even thinking about it, I'm amazed that it's so power. I, this I was the one who drove, and Mitch and Bobby were the guys who drove throughout my, uh, you know, high school, and and you know, at Second Nature them. And yet I did it, and it was the Belt Parkway, these narrow lanes. Oh, and long ones. And then I guess I had a drink. My, I think I had a Tequila Sunrise it was my first drink. Uh, and then just drove back and didn't. Th and now I would be petrified if if someone suggested it. So maybe well, I need to go back to that. And yeah, I need to go back to that Scott who drove the Cadillac <laughs> on the Bell Parkway and uh, yeah. try to do it again. Well, I mean, uh, yeah, I, 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 Scotty, so many. <laughs> you just opened up s such a Pandora's uh, can of worms. <laughs> right now, um, uh, the uh, because. There's so many things I want to ask about, like how you would, and then you, you have a tequila sunrise. And by the way, let's not forget that that was once a very popular drink, the tequila sunrise. I, I must have been that, and I have, I, don't, I haven't seen it since, but and that was no, my very it was, first drink. Oh my gosh, I remember that the the year of this tequila sunrise, and they were pretty good. But I would worry too, especially driving your parents' car, and especially a Cadillac, and oh and, yeah, and on yeah. on the Belt Parkway. And then now you now you have a you you you've, you've drunk a, a tequila sunrise, Scotty. Let's just leave it at that for now. I mean, that's yeah, incredible. yeah, and we'll read the letters from our listeners yeah. and, uh, and hear their own stories. And the Tommy, that end, we'll we'll pick it up yeah. at a future time. Oh, absolutely! Look, the era of cars and the Cadillac and all that we will visit uh, uh, many times. And uh, but I was glad to take a ride with you today, Tommy. Oh, Scotty and. And, and, and we enjoyed uh, sitting in, in the uh, uh, shotgun seat <laughs> uh, uh, with you, Scotty. Uh, and on that note, I am always going to be Tom Saunders. And I remain sincerely yours, Scott Blakeman. And we're getting through this.